0: Our series is called Don't Waste Your Life, and indeed, all of that focuses in on how much attention you give God with your life. We'll talk about that today. Join us. How much of your life is epitaph worthy? In other words... How much of your life will fit on your tombstone? Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. You know, so much of how we live, we think, in the moment is important. Towards the end of our lives, we look back and think, boy, what a waste of time. Don't Waste Your Life is the title of our series, and at the end of the day, the way we go about doing that is really glorifying God. Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20 is where we catch up with Pastor Phil Howard. And this edition of Truth For Today.
1: Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted Or magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. The three great ambitions of Paul was for Christ to be magnified in his body, to be with Christ, and to know Christ. We're going to take the subject of what it means to glorify God. Uh, Sometimes we say, I want to glory. We'll use terms like that. Well, glory, or uh, glory be to God. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave his own dear son. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. To God be the glory. What does that mean? What does that mean in our lives? Uh, The Westminster Catechism wrote it well and succinctly. That the chief end of man is to glorify God. And to enjoy forever. Now you notice it's one end that involves two things. Our chief end, singular, is two things. To glorify God and to enjoy God. Now what does it mean to glorify God? Well, I want to give you just, uh, just by way of definition uh, to get a handle uh, on this concept, a little bit of the meaning of this word. And... Uh, Uh, To glorify means to honor, uh, to praise, to exalt, uh, to give glory to someone through worship. So when I glorify God, I'm giving him honor. I'm giving him recognition. I'm treating him like what he's worth. And so my effort is to glorify, to recognize that. Now the word glory itself is a weighty word. It literally means in the Hebrew to weigh, to, to ha- be heavy. Uh, a person of no substance was considered light, fluffy. We, we say the word fluffy. They would have said light. There's nothing to them. But a person of great wealth, of great uh, prestige, power, they would use this word kavod, uh, the glory. You, you kind of hear kavod when you hear the word ichavod. Uh, the glory has departed. But the concept was God is a weighty person. And that means there is substance to him. Uh, There's something to his character. Inherently, he has glory. He has greatness about him. Great in power. Great in essence. Great in expanse. In other words, in and of himself he has glory. But the reason he made creation... He says, over and over, the goal of creation is that it might bring God glory. And you hear some verses out of Psalms that says that you, O Lord, are exalted forever. You are above all gods and you have created us for thyself. So that God's hand in all of history, whether you know it or not, the wicked for the day of judgment... The saved for the day of rejoicing, animal creation, physical creation, angels, everything that exists has been made towards one end. And that end is that God would be seen as the one of ultimate worth, ultimate honor, ultimate power, that all of creation will bow before this God and say, you are the one that's the greatest in the universe, you have made us for the extolling, exalting of your name so that it becomes the governing motive and the governing ethic in the lives of God's people that we want to give him glory. Because the tragedy of human history is this. Israel in Jeremiah 2, the prophet said, you have given up your glory and you have gone to worthless idols. You have committed two sins. You have forsaken me, the true and living fountain. And you've gone out and hewn these broken sisters that hold no water. The insult to God by Israel was, you would rather worship what cannot see, what cannot hear, what cannot walk, what cannot deliver. You've exchanged your glory. Your God for no gods. That was the exchange you made. And then you go to Romans 1, the Gentile world did the same thing. He said that what may be known of God is clearly revealed in the heavens, his eternal power, his greatness, but men suppressed what could be known of God. They would not glorify God nor give him thanks. Rather, they invented idols made out of the image of reptiles, animals. So it says, and God gave them up. God gave them up. You see, you'll read that and you'll be stunned. How can God give you up? God has given up those who gave him up. And he pulls back the restraints in Romans 1 to let mankind do whatever they want. And when he lifts the restraints, they become, like they, they become like what they worship. You always become like what you worship. They become like animals. They have no boundaries to their sex lives. They have no restraints. Homosexuality is born out of it. Beastality. Uh, 31 sins, he concludes the chapter with. Man is going wild. McGee used to call it Cinerama. They've done everything. Because when you cast off God and you're not straight on that issue, there are no restraints for the rest of, of life. But what's an amazing story is this in the midst of the rebellion of the race, in the midst of us throwing off God, God did something for you that you didn't even want. He saved you. He tracked you down. He wooed you. He made you want to want him. He made you see who he is. And and he had to overcome your obstinate heart. He had to overcome your bent will. You you know, there's an error in the early church in 300 AD that a man by the name of Pelagius taught. And Pelagius... Uh, had a big running debate with Augustine. And they debated this. And Augustine won the battle. And so a part of the Roman Catholic Church, they would always teach original sin. They were right on that issue. They still are. That's why they're so strong on infant baptism. Somebody's got to take care of original sin. But this was the argument of Pelagius. Mankind is born with an intact Will. That he's as much and as whole as Adam and Eve. He's just untried. So that the will of man is neutral. And so he just makes the right or the wrong choice. But he has all the components within him to find God. Absolutely opposed to what the Bible says. That we are born wicked from the womb. That we are energized to do the will of Satan according to John 8, 44. That we are dead in sin. We are warped in our choice. Free will, free as we can be, but never free to choose God. Because our tastes are not for God. Our taste is for sin. Our taste is for rebellion. Our taste is to run away. And so God sends the Spirit to woo you. He sends preachers to preach to you. He tells you good news, good news, good news. Turn, turn, turn. And a great deal of mankind said, I'd rather have my gods than to have you. And God leaves them to their warped sense of value. So the greatest curse of the race is... We don't even want the one who created us. We don't even want the true and living God. We prefer other things to Him. It'd be like raising a child that says, I don't want you to be my parent. I want the cat to be my parent. I want the dog to be my parent. No, 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 son. Your mom and I had you. You're ours. Your DNA came from us. Your genetic codes from us. No, no, you're not worth being treated like parents. I will worship my dog. I will answer only, and that's mankind. Did you know that the race worships all kinds of gods other than the true and living God? So when you come to Scripture, you hear this term give me glory, give me honor, it's give me the worth that I really made up of that's all God wants he just wants us to treat him like what he really is treat him with worth and honor and let's find out some of the ways we can glorify God look first of all to Psalms 115 the powerpoint crew are gone with our music ministry so you just got to turn with me Psalms 115 1 a favorite passage Of mine, we took it for our 25th anniversary uh, model. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. What we are, what we have, all that's great, we got not because of our greatness, not because of our ability... But because of your love and faithfulness, so to you be the glory, be the glory and the honor. There's only two kinds of people on the face of the earth. Those who take the credit and those who give God the credit. There's only two kinds. And you're either taking the credit for what you have, what you are, uh, your prosperity perhaps, your accomplishments. Or there's those who have been captured that knows every good thing I've got comes from God. My, my very being, I was created in my mother's womb by the handiwork of God. All that I will ever be or ever could be is because of this great God and his love and faithfulness towards me. So I want to extol him. I want to give him the credit. You see, pride is greatly hated by God. Because he lost one-third of the angels through it. He lost all of humanity through it. And he's seen the ruin of many a Christian life through it. Pride. Being impressed with what we are more than being impressed with what he is. The one we're to be captured by and impressed by is the living God. That is the one that we extol of making the great impression Well, uh, notice in Matthew that uh, there's a way that we are to live. That Jesus said, if you live and do what I want you to, you can literally advertise God. And he calls us salt and light. And he says in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men. That they may see your good deeds. And praise your Father in heaven. Uh, everything I see in the word of God is we're to be people of mercy. Uh, to be people of kindness. Uh, people that uh, are concerned about others. And he says, do these good deeds. The, these good works. And the underwriting motivation is, i like to show you off. One of the meanings of glory in the Greek was opinion. When we sing doxology, it's from the Greek word doxa, which means opinion. And so it came to be used of the opinion you hold of someone. And a good opinion meant they had a great reputation. So we want to do things that give a good opinion of God. That gives him glory. He gets a good press. He gets represented well by us. And so we're a people that ought to be zealous of good works. And it's not good works just for good works. It's good works that show off this benevolent God. Uh, This God that's never given up on us should enable us not to give up on one another. This God that's been gracious to you ought to enable you to be gracious to others. There's nothing quite as contradictory, as graceless. Christianity. And Christianity is not always known for its graciousness. Sometimes it's harsh. Sometimes it's supercritical. Sometimes we're self-righteous. Pharisaical. Judge one another hard on each other. I find that uh, in my evaluation of people, I'm harder on Christians than any other people. What about you? The devil's children can do just about anything. And I just say, "Well, they're the devil's kids. they ought to do that, but you' better be good. I expect more out of you. Well, I, that is true, but I don't want you to get from me a critical, ungracious spirit, because Christians do fail. You know that, don't you? Pastor Ted said a great line to me here the other day. He said, "There is life after sin." There is life after big mess ups. I got a black gospel song that goes, I got to clean up what I messed up. Canton Spirituals out of Mississippi, they sing that. I want to clean up what I messed up. Have you found God gracious enough to help you clean up what you messed up? There's life after sin. And sometimes I'm amazed at the unforgiving spirit that Christians can have towards one another. Not that we tolerate sin or endorse it. But that we offer people hope to come home. To get right. To get clean. See, when we do good things, we show off the character of God. God's graces, we're gracious. God's fair, we're fair. God's long-suffering, we become impatient. I mean, long-suffering. Uh, do you ever sense God's irritable? Do you ever? I never pick that up in God. I never think of him as being irritable and kind of wondering, well, why did you show up today? I've heard that same sob story for a month. When are you going to get over it? Or do you hear him say, come, come, tell me again. I want to hear what's on your heart. Our God is so wonderful. There's nobody like our God, not even our mother. So we ought to be able to show him off and to reflect somewhat of his character. That's our goal. That's our goal is to become perfect, mature as he is, who's better to his enemies than we sometimes are to our friends. Um, Look at uh, 1 Corinthians... Look at what it says, how you ought to respond to God with your person. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. He's telling the believers to flee immorality. And then he gives the motive for it. Do you not know that your body is a temple? And in the Greek, it's a holy of holies. It's the inner temple. That you are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Whom you have received from God, you are not your own. Well, if I'm not my own, who am I to represent? You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God. Literally, NIV made it honor. But it's glorify or honor. Honor God with your body. Now, who does God think he is to want your body? He acts like he's an owner. Who does he think he is? Well, one, if you're God, you can make demands that you normally cannot make. But I want you to see Romans 12. Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you. Now, that's the worst way to ever start a a chapter in the Bible. I mean, if your sweetheart wrote you a letter and it started out with, therefore, I, I think you'd want to know what the there's for. So here he says, therefore, it's like you can hear the hinge. I mean, the door is turning on something he's been saying. He's been saying for 11 chapters, chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Romans up to 3.20, I found you in sin, rebellion, nobody sought me, nobody understood me, nobody feared me, nobody obeyed me, nobody wanted me, the whole race is condemned. Romans 3.20, the law shut the mouth of the whole world, you are guilty as charged, you are condemned, and if we stop the book of Romans at 3.20, everybody's going to hell. But he picks up in Romans 3.21. And he starts in, let me tell you about the redemption we have in Christ through grace by which he was propitiated the Father, whereby he justified you by faith, wherein it excludes all boasting, for he imputed to you the righteousness of another, an alien righteousness that didn't belong to you. You have a righteous standing before God. Romans 6, he says, you're now no longer servants of sin. Romans 7, you're no longer under the law. Romans 8, the Holy Spirit's controlling you. Israel you were chosen I chose you over Esau Romans 10 I've preached the gospel to you that you might believe in the future I'm going to restore you I've been merciful to the human race for 11 chapters why don't you give me what's left your body because of my mercies because I've been merciful to you in salvation I forgave you your sins I elected you from the foundation of the world. Israel is a nation. I should have abandoned you. I should have gotten rid of you. But I've only removed you for a while. In the future, I'll restore you and you'll be saved in a day. What is this? What is this? It's God being merciful to us in salvation. And it's the story of every saved individual. God found us, cleansed us justified as made as his own that we now might say my body's my own thanks for the help I'll see you later oh no God's mercy is to be the motivating force by which I yield my members my heart what's left of a saved life to say you got me Lord you want toilets clean you got me You want psalm books handed out? You've got me. You want my body to witness, to work for you, to serve you, to sing you, to praise to you? You've got my body because my body shows if you've got my will and my heart. I do with my body what's going on in my heart. It's the external display of what I think of you.
0: And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the program encourages you in Christ and how this program is being used by you on a daily basis. Are we just a normal part of your radio listening? Do you tap into our resources available at our website? Have you visited our church? These are things we would love to hear from you. Take a moment, call or write to us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Take advantage of the resource materials I mentioned a moment ago. We have several. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also find information about Valley Bible Church right there as well, who we are, what we believe, worship times, services, and directions to the church. We'd love to have you join us, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. If you're writing to us, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278 hercules california the zip code is 94547 and then as we conclude our time together today we would also invite you to partner with us this radio broadcast and the many resources that accompany it are available as you partner with us as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully no gift is too small no gift is too large and you can do a one-time gift or make monthly pledges No matter, we'd love to have you be a partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the Bay Area and beyond. So contact us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. And you can also donate online at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today.